We're back with the Sound On Sight Walking Dead podcast. This week we're talking about Season 5, Episode 12, Remember, written by Channing Powell and directed by Greg Nicotero. We'll be right back after this. Sound On Sight Walking Dead podcast. This is Kate Kalsik, TV editor of SoundOnSight.org, and I'm joined as ever by my wonderful co-host, editor-in-chief, uh, general editor, general editor, Mr. Ricky D. Ricky, how's it going? I'm good. And joining us this week uh, on the podcast to help us take a look at, at this episode, season five, episode 12, Remember, is our, our Sound On Sight contributor who covers The Walking Dead for us, Felix Vasquez. You can also, of course, find him at Cinema Craze um, and doing other, doing other stuff at Sound On Sight. Felix, welcome to the podcast. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so, uh, as we say at the top of the podcast every week, just this, get our caveats out of the way, um, this episode of the podcast will just talk about this episode of The Walking Dead TV show. There will be no spoilers for future episodes. There will be no spoilers for future things to come in the comics. I have not read the comics. Ricky has read the comics. Felix, what's your relationship with The Walking Dead comics? I've been a hardcore fan since uh, the beginning, so I've read every single issue so far. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will very likely talk about certain things that have already happened in both the shows and the comics, compare, contrast, but just to, to, you know, set aside any fears for our listeners, there will be no spoilers. We couldn't spoil if we wanted to. We don't get screeners, but... uh, No problem. Yeah, with that out of the way, um, what... And again, I we talked about this last week. I feel like for readers of the comics, this has got to be an, an exciting part of the show. Because as I understand it, they're hewing pretty closely to the comics right now. Uh, so how did you feel they did, Felix, with the introduction of the Alexandria safe zone this week? Did it live up to the, the, the expectation of last week's cliffhanger? I'm a little, I'm a little um, off put that there aren't more time people coming out to, to see them. Because I figured new survivors and a baby would be very shocking for them to see, you know. But otherwise, I think they've handled it very well. It, it, it's so close to complex right now. It, it's kind of shocking. Because <laughs> hmm. from season one to season two, they did their own thing. And then now now we're back to the comic books again. And it's amazing how, how, how well they've done so far. Well, and how aside from that element, as as an episode, this is one that sort of breaks the the mode we get. You know, it's rare for them to come across a place that has power, let alone you know cameras, um, you know, enough power that they're gonna, they're going to use it to record people with cameras. Um, so so we have a very different narrative device here with the with the handheld camera and the interviews. How did that element work? Is that that is that straight out of the comics, or is that a, a special touch here? And either way, how did it work for you, Felix? I think it worked out well. It reminded me a lot of Breaking Bad when uh, Walter White was doing his confessional, but otherwise I thought it was a great way to kind of measure the characters and how they how they survived outside and their whole viewpoint. I think the interviews serve a purpose. I, I'm, I'm not certain yet, but I think the interviews are going to really are for like a screening process. Uh, they're holding, and I'm not sure what it is yet. <laughs> but it's very it's very interesting how how they're, they're really paying attention to Rick most of all. What did you think, Ricky? How did it work for you? I think this is one of the best episodes they've made so far. I think this episode is fantastic. I love the way it's directed. We talked about 
the way the showrunners are experimenting with the structure of the show, specifically with the editing and different camera techniques, using different lenses and and the visual approach. And this episode is a key example of how they are continuing to experiment because we've never seen an episode quite like this one called Remember. Um, they are sticking closely to the comic books to some degree so far. Yes, they do make slight changes. Yes, um, not really a spoiler, but in the comic book, Rick gets to meet Mr. Monroe, not Mrs. Monroe, and they switch it for some reason. But I do like the actress that's playing Deanna. I think she's fantastic, and I think she's a really interesting character so far. Yeah, I think the interview process is fantastic, and specifically because of the way it's structured and 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 inserted throughout the whole entire episode, as opposed to, say, just the beginning and or the, or the end of the episode, like some, most... I'm thinking like I'm thinking back to some TV shows I've watched in in, in the past and even movies like they're usually used as like uh, as a bookends. Right. But here it's 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 intercut throughout the whole entire episode. And I think you're right, Felix. I think the very little information that we get from those interviews is going to serve a purpose in the future. And a prime example is Carol. Like, what is Carol up to? Right. Like, why is she lying? Um, Clearly. She uh, doesn't want them to know that, you know, for example, she's killed people and that she's tough and that she can uh, guard herself and hold a gun and fire a gun and shoot a gun. And and uh, she plays it out like she's this weak housewife who does laundry and dishes and, you know, she loves her husband who died and misses him. And it's a complete lie. And it just goes to show that Carol is still one of the smartest members of the group. And um, clearly she doesn't trust anybody. And I think what she's trying to do is she maybe wants to be put in a position because she knows that Deanna's interviewing her to assign her a job, right? So I think what she's yeah. trying to do is she wants to get a job where she can mingle with the local housewives because she knows they're going to gossip. And so she knows that just by becoming friends with these people and and putting on this like image of being someone who's weak and not really a threat to to Alexandria's citizens that she can probably most likely find a way to get some kind of like dirty laundry like information about these people it was such a smart and wise decision for for the for the writers to insert the interview process throughout the entire episode and uh, specifically with Daryl like you see the contrast between Daryl and the people of Alexandria and you see how Daryl uh, reacts or doesn't know how to react to being in a surrounding like Alexandria now. And he's sort of like a caged animal. I mean, when she's interviewing Daryl, he can't even sit down. He's roaming around the room like a caged animal. Like, um, So, yeah, I really, really love this episode. I think it's one of the best episodes yet. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this episode. I, I don't know if you'd even had a chance to see it yet, Ricky, when I first started watching about five to ten minutes in, I just I had to pull up. Facebook and message you and say, I'm really liking this episode. So I'm glad we're, we're all on the same page. When you talk about Carol, I mean, what she's doing is being hilarious and awesome and giving us the, the best, you know, comedy beats of the episode and the best comedy beats we've had probably since Eugene was being super pervy about, uh, uh, Rosita and, um, Michael Codlitz remind me. Uh, Abraham. Abraham. Um, but also, I mean, because even just like you said, the physicality of her struggling to take off the gun. Um, I think that's great. And I think it makes a lot of sense. It's very strategic, like you said. Yeah, that was great. I like that. However, it does. I don't know why she thinks she's going to be able to pull that off if 
if Eric um, and Aaron were actually watching them as much as they say that they were. If uh, if he knows the, their names and he knows their relationships and he's been observing them long enough to feel like he can trust them with Alexandria, shouldn't he have seen her being a badass? It's a question of how much have they've seen. And so I can't really call it sloppy writing because we don't know how much they've seen. But we I asked you a question last week. I'm like, well, how how come he knows Rick's name? Like not just his name, Rick, but his full name, Rick Grimes. And how come no one addressed the like the fact that he actually does know his full name? I'm like, even if you're staring at these people from a distance and spying on them, his full name has never been mentioned in like three seasons. So it's it's interesting yeah i mean i'm not entirely sure maybe she's testing them maybe she she's not aware that they've been watching for a good amount of time like i'm not entirely sure but it's a good question well it could also just be a calculated risk yeah Um, so i don't know that it's necessarily a writing mistake as maybe just a care like it's something that she'll get tripped up on later i don't know what do you think felix i think uh yeah i think think she's uh, trying to hide out in plain sight in my opinion at least She's trying to kind of like like you guys said mingle with, with the housewives and kind of figure out the the underbelly of this neighborhood because it is a suburb after all and there is all, everybody has a secret from the governor to terminus every everyone has something to hide in that place in, in every every community so I think she's trying to figure out what the secret is so she, so she can relay it over to Rick and I, I thought that scene was brilliant as well brilliantly played and I think the I forgot the name of the actress um, who plays Carol Melissa McBride. Miss McBride, I think she's once she's probably the best actress on The Walking Dead right now. I think she, I, I think Deanna and her are gonna engage in a in a chess match soon. The wits, because <laughs> Deanna can read people, she knows people very well. I think she's gonna figure her out soon. Yeah, but but that's another thing. You just brought up a good point. She says in the episode, "I'm very good at reading people." Okay, so now if you're very good at reading people and you've been spying on the group for God knows how long you should be fully aware that Carol can clearly handle a gun. And also I find it odd that even if Carol, you know, in her head has this like master plan to go undercover or do some kind of like weirdness where she pretends to be something that she's not, how come she doesn't run up by the rest of the group? I mean, what if Daryl goes into his interview and talks about how amazing Carol is and how she saved his life and she could hold a gun and fire a gun, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, within the next interview process, her whole cover can be blown. (laughs) So it doesn't really make much sense. I think that's a good point, but I think I think that they all have such a tight bond by now that it's like, don't 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 give up, don't show anybody's hand, you know, just talk about yourself, and uh, you know, just get through the screening process, you know, so we can get into Alexandria, you know, because I know I know if we were all survivors and they were had me interviewing, I would be going, oh, Kate is this and Ricky is this, and they were doing this, I would just talk about myself primarily, and try to get myself in there, and keep the bond tighten it. But Kate, do you think she has a good poker face? Because I, I think that, you know, if Deanna is really good at, at, at reading people, she clearly can see that she's lying. I mean, she didn't look sincere at all. She looked like she was someone who was lying. As opposed to Daryl, who admits right from the start he killed people, and then he can't even sit down. You know what I mean? He looked like, again, he looks like an animal. He looks like he just came out of the wild, which is exactly what happened. He just came out of the wild. He's been hunting animals. He's been eating animals. He's still yeah. hunting animals. I mean, the opening line of this episode, I think, is the funniest moment of of the uh, the episode actually, Kate. I think he had the best comic beat when he's like, "I brought dinner." <laughs> yeah, no, I, I based on just the brief time we spend with Deanna. I mean, compared to the time we spent with Carol and and Carol's interview, I would assume that 
Deanna knows that this she's she's not being honest. This is clearly a, a persona she's adopted, but she wants to see what she does with it. And she's like still assessing Carol because I don't. I think it's. I don't think it's odd or unnatural to be as cagey as we see Carol being, and I think Deanna should understand that. Um, so for me, like, like Felix, like you were saying, I anticipate this being somewhat of a chess match. Yeah, uh, definitely. And that could be a lot of fun. We talk about uh, Deanna. So you said that they meet Mister Monroe. Is there a separate Mister Monroe, or is it like? Instead of Deanna, it's a guy. It's the same character, but they no, just no. gender swapped it. No, well, there's Deanna. There's her son Aiden, who gets punched by Glenn. And yeah. Of course, she has a husband. Yeah. So in the in so in the comic, Deanna is a, is also there. So it's not like she okay. doesn't exist. Now here's the thing. Now um, I've read the comics, but I I you know some of these comics came out like years ago, so my memory's a little like you know vague. Uh, so I made a huge mistake two weeks ago when I talked about, and this was actually just an accident. It was like my my mouth was moving faster than my brain, and I kind of mentioned Tyrese and when he died in the comic, and I got it completely wrong. But um, so I don't want to really focus too much on the comic book right now mm-hmm. because I'm not too familiar with the Ale- Alexandria storyline, to be honest. It's vague in my memory, but I remember there being the Monroe family. Okay. Um, well, the reason I ask is uh... – because whether, whether or not she's a gender swap, if that is a gender swap character, then I think that is uh, a really smart move. Um, not only because uh, Tova Felchu is great. She's, you know, she's really, I've, as a TV fan for a long time, I, of course, know her as uh, Danielle Melnick from a lot of episodes of Law and Order. Uh, but she's, you know, she's got Tony Awards and she's, you know, she's an excellent actress. Uh, but um, just because it, it provides a contrast to the governor. So the, the Alexandria safe zone feels very similar to Woodbury so far. Like it, it could easily feel very similar. And so by having that be a woman instead of a man, there is a at least somewhat of a tonal shift there um, in the, the, the scene has a different rapport than it would if it was a man. And then also she's a direct parallel to um, the Denise Crosby character at Terminus. That was another mm. matriarchal society. So, so having her be a counterpoint to the governor, but also potentially reminiscent of the Denise Crosby character, I think is is a smart move. And plus, they got a really good actress. Well, I I don't know if it's a hundred percent gender swap in the sense where she, you know we're not going to get introduced to her, say her husband. Maybe in the show, her husband's dead. I don't remember seeing him in this episode. But they they do do this thing with The Walking Dead where. They will take a character and, you know, so-and-so character dies a certain way in the comic book, but in the TV show, it'll be someone else. Someone's hand gets cut off in the comic book, in the TV show, it'll be someone else. So so they do swap things around to kind of surprise the uh, viewers who have read the original source material. But I don't know. I mean, that's one thing that's very odd about um, this episode. As much as I like it, Felix is right. Like, they do walk into a town. And this is a town which is heavily guarded, and it feels like only two people people came out to greet them. <laughs> Everyone else is just kind of like sitting at home yes. or doing work. I'm like, I don't know, man. If if we were allowing like a group of people into our town who have like machine guns and knives and all sorts of weapons, I would want to be there at the gate when they walk in, just in case. I don't know if they attack. I mean, for 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 a community that's so heavily guarded, when they walked in, like how many people were were present to kind of like 
defend the the community just in case Rick and the gang decided to take over. It, it was just very odd. Well, except that when you're welcoming in a group of, I mean, first of all, we can see that um, their version of heavily armed and trained and everything is just kind of adorable compared to Rick's gang. Um, but also, if when you're welcoming in Rick's gr- group with their, you know, machine guns or whatever, their rifles, maybe you don't want to have a giant large crowd of people who are maybe have pistols, like old-timey pistols are what they use to go not kill walkers with. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe it's better to not have a crowd, in case they are bad, than the two people who are greeting them get killed, but nobody else does. Um so, so I think there is that. Also, they do some hand-waving where Deanna says she told people not to swamp them so they wouldn't be overwhelmed. Um, but I do think it's a legit, uh, legitimate concern or, or, or um, you know, detail that's a little uh, annoying. I think you're right. We do get that one line in which she does say that Deanna specifically told the community members to kind of give them their distance and not necessarily, like, smuggle them or run up to them and, like, you know, uh, I guess intimidate them. Um, but let me ask you, as someone who hasn't read the comic book, now on paper, Alexandria sure, I think, certainly does look like kind of like a safe haven. But there's still enough red flags in this very first episode spent at Alexandria to indicate that there's still a lot of problems and deep, dark secrets that the group can worry about. So, I mean, what do you think of uh, of Alexandria and the people we've met so far? Um, well, I think... Deanna makes an excellent, excellent first impression because she seems responsible, very uh, level-headed, and very aware of their weaknesses at Alexandria. As like, in her scenes, especially with Rick, but with all the group, it's very apparent to me why they want Rick's group to join. Because there's a lot of things that they have that they're good at, but they clearly are woefully underprepared for any type of walker situation. If they went out and one walker killed three of their people, that's like, that that's, it's astonishing that they're still alive. So this is clearly a major weakness they need to address. So I think that, that you know, that for me, Deanna makes a really good, strong first impression. She could be psycho. But she makes a much better first impression than the governor did because she's not all smiles, which I think mm-hmm. is good. Also, um, I don't, I'm not seeing like dark, seedy underbelly hints. I'm just kind of seeing her son's a dick. Um, but other than that, uh, everybody seems okay. pretty, you know, and maybe we have an unhappy marriage, you know, because it's not like you can just go get divorced and date somebody else. Um, you know, so that the, there's a little bit of drama, but I didn't see it as necessarily anything other than the absolute typical thing you'll get when there are enough people. Okay. Hold on a second. I get what you're saying, but okay. First of all, this is the TV show and this is the walking dead. So let's just like consider four things that happen in this first episode spent at Alexandria. First of all, um, Deanna admitted that she exiled three men. And from the safe zone, which pretty much means that she sent them out and they're going to die because that's like a death sentence. So right away, we know there's problems within the community for them to exile three men. That's a red flag. Number two. Yeah, there's some creepy old man sitting on his porch with like very little light on him, uh, 
the man doesn't even want to get up and greet Rick or talk to Rick. He's kind of like, you were talking to my wife. She cuts your hair. And he was like really creepy. Like, I'm sorry. That's like a big red flag. I mean, clearly, like, Rick's going to have a huge problem with this guy in the future. Like, you don't have to read the comic book to know this. And I'm not even saying that character is in the comic book. I'm just saying that the way it's presented, the fact that he meets him at nighttime while he's sitting on his porch smoking a cigarette. It's very ominous. Yes. Very ominous. Okay, so that's number two. Very accusatory as well. My wife cuts her hair. It's like, okay, (laughs) thank you. Yeah, it's it's like that scene in True Detective where it's like, you don't mow my wife's lawn. Only I mow my wife's lawn. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> um, and then um, flag number three, Aiden. Okay. Now, I'm not. Here's the thing about Aiden. I honestly don't think that the way they presented this character that he's actually going to become quote unquote a villain. I think he's just a hothead. He's a young guy. He's the son of the uh, the matriarch, like the lady who's running this community. So you know, I think he's just a young guy who's kind of like making stupid decisions. I'm not, I, I'm not convinced that this is going to be sort of like one of governor's henchmen who's just downright evil and will do terrible, terrible things and be a threat to the group of survivors and maybe be even, I don't even think he has the potential to kill someone to be honest, but it's still a red flag. I mean, he's just like day yeah. one and you're getting punched in the face by Glenn. And so Rick discovers the gun he stashed in the blender outside of Alexandria's walls has disappeared. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like weird. Now I know they were spying on Rick, but I mean, yeah, like that's a big, huge red flag. And there was a hobo zombie also waiting for him there too. When they were mm-hmm. fighting all the zombies, he grabbed his leg in mid combat. And I was like, when, where did that zombie come from? How did he yeah, handle okay. that? Okay, no, exactly. So, Felix, do you think that someone purposely put the zombie hidden underneath whatever it was so that when Rick goes back and tries to retrieve his gun, they are hoping that the zombie would bite Rick Grimes? Because that seems possible. It, it's, 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 it seems like someone has it out for Rick. Someone, someone is threatened by Rick. And I, once again, I'm not basically on the compass because I'm, I'm, I'm basically mostly on the show from what I've seen so far. But, uh, yeah, it seems like someone is either playing games with Rick or is testing Rick in their own twisted little way, you know? Well, except that if... Okay, so for, obviously that walker doesn't seem like they were there when Rick put the gun there. The thing, though, is even if someone had put the walker there, they wouldn't be able to keep the walker there. Keep the walker from, you know, moving around. So it seems it seems rather odd. Like, right now it feels like it's a just an oversight. They weren't thinking about that. Um, otherwise, if, if, if that, if it's not just an oversight, I think they needed to show that the Walker was like tied, like its leg was tied. So it would have to stay there. Otherwise there's, I don't buy that. Someone put a Walker there knowing Rick would come back for the gun. And the Walkers just was like, cool. I'll chill. <laughs> As for the other red flags. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the son's just, he's just a punk. He's just, an, an entitled uh, prick who thinks he knows something because he did ROTC uh, and clearly really doesn't. Guys like Abraham, we got these three sweet little biscuits over here. Like, oh, come on. Like, you know, you're just playing war. These people have seen war, you know? Yeah, okay, he's, now, he's very sheltered. Was he talking <laughs> about guns when he mentioned biscuits? I was so confused. Yeah, I was definitely mentioning the guns. So that's why... Biscuits and he, he mentioned he, he handed them the guns. Sorry, 
You Americans call guns biscuits? No, no, we don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do not judge us off of that prick. No. Uh, no, he just clearly has no understanding of the stakes or the situation um, when if he's doing that. Like, like Felix says, he's playing war, and um, the the notion of him keeping a walker just tied up for funsies tells you how much of an idiot he is um, and how out of their depths Alexandria is if he, this is one of the guys in charge of their safety. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's the one beat of the episode that I didn't like. Like, if there's one major complaint I have, it's the fact that that whole sequence felt a little too familiar. Like, I can swear we've seen that a million times before, in which we have, like, some young hothead who wants to string up a zombie and instead of killing the zombie, keep the zombie alive. And it's just, like, that was, like, the one beat that I think we didn't need. Like, I know they were trying to create some tension with Aiden and Glenn and Tara and, well, just the the community and the group. Like, I know they're trying to create tension, but it, it felt a little too forced in this episode. And I thought they could have found a more creative and a new way to sort of, like, create some kind of tension between those two people. They did a lot of that in season three when they were um, roping up zombies and tying up zombies and teasing zombies and stuff like that. So I could definitely see your complaint there. Yeah. Well, and it's just a, such a – it's a trope in other – zombie and other other shows other genre kinds of shows like that as well like just kill just stake the vampire don't weaken the vampire and then hold on to it so you have a curiosity don't like save the dalek for your collection just kill it you're an idiot yeah you're gonna destroy the world uh so yeah that is a familiar beat but it does very efficiently uh establish the character uh, even if just like I, I thought another of the funnier moments for me uh, was when he has like, oh, we got these sweet guns and he hands them to them. Just the look we get from Rick's gang, like, you know, Glenn and Tara, like, can we just get our guns back? Because <laughs> these are terrible. Yeah, but I think it's the fact that the guns were like very small, but it's also because they called the guns biscuits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just it was a nice. It's a very, very quick way. And again, for me, it also ties back into why would they open their gates to these people? What Of the, the various red flags for you, because um, I think the difference for me when I'm looking at this, Rick, is that I I have a wary eye out for signs that the community is not what it seems. Like with Woodbury, you know, there, the, there, there were any number of, signs that the the community was not right that they that that were there here those the things that you're pointing out just feel more like they they feel in line with what they are what the you know Deanna and the rest of the community are presenting so we had to kick some we had to exile some people that doesn't seem like it's at odds with the community like what they're showing whereas with Woodbury they're like oh we're a happy wonderful everything is great everything is awesome kind of place oh and we have cage fights with zombies for funsies you know there was there was a dichotomy there here you know the the stuff with the you know marital strife maybe all of that doesn't feel like it contradicts what the gang has been told about this place so I guess that's why those things didn't stand out to me yeah, I can. I actually kind of agree with what you're saying. I mean, I guess uh, when I say red flags, I guess what I mean is that um, it's like a red flag, like a warning that, you know, these two groups of people are going to somehow not mesh well. Like there's going to be conflict. They're going to butt heads because they're completely opposite. And I think 
I think like Alexandria is what it appears to be. It's a community with a bunch of people who haven't lived outside of the walls and don't know what it's like to really live in the zombie apocalypse and survive out in the wilderness with no food, no water. And uh, they're weak. And Carl, out of all people, brings it up. He's like, I don't want to get weak. If we stay here, we might get weak like these people. That's why when the kids ask him if he wants to play video games or pool, you know, that sounds all fun. And he's a teenager. And you would think that any teenager would be like, yes, awesome, because I've just spent like two years walking through mud and fighting like dead people. But for him, it's sort of like. It's odd. It's kind of uh, it worries him because he's afraid that, yeah, if they stay in Alexandria and get a little too comfortable, then they're going to become weak like the people there. So Alexandria basically appears to be a community full of people who are weak. And it seems that they need Rick Grimes and his group more than Rick Grimes and his group need them. Like Rick Grimes might want and need a place to stay like shelter, but he doesn't necessarily need those people to keep him and his friends alive. Uh, I think he needs a place for for little ass kicker because right now they can just carry her around, but soon she's gonna be walking and then she's gonna be wandering. And uh, anyone who's had to babysit a two year old <laughs> knows that they're not always the most oh, yeah. you know uh, <laughs> amenable to you know you need to be quiet right now or we're gonna die. Like so, I think that right now with Judith the age that she is is not an immediate threat, but. It's, you know, the the longer he waits, the harder it's going to be, you know. So this, if this can work, that I think that'll be crucial for Judith. Um, for, mm-hmm. I'm curious, Felix, how you read that scene. Because, Ricky, you brought up the, the, the video, you do want to play video games scene. And I actually thought that was a really nice moment. I really give credit to... Um, Chandler Riggs to Chandler Riggs because that just kind of cut me to the to the core there because I wasn't seeing a hesitancy in his performance I wasn't seeing this is weird I was seeing just shell shock just yeah. an inability to process this this is a, this is a thing that they that he can actually do he can be a kid and he does not know how to handle like even just seeing people his own age which hasn't happened since the prison and we know how wonderfully that went down for mika uh you know for those kids all of them died um and so even just being around kids is is a lot but then to we had that that shot was that back when we went through that house with michonne and she was commenting on the art didn't sometime around then in the series we had a shot of uh uh, Carl looking at like a video game controller and just kind of going like, oh man, remember when kind of a thing. So yeah. the call back to that here worked really well for me. And for me, it was just like, he couldn't process it. What did you think, Felix? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a, uh, it, to me, uh, the way I read it was a, a hesitancy. He didn't want to let his guard down. However, he really wants to be a kid, you know? He has no idea how to be a child anymore because we've seen Rick trying to make him into a child for the past five seasons, you know, he bought him those little Legos um, that he found in a prison and Carl is just playing with his gun. And he's trying to turn him into a farmer and, and now Carl pretty much has no excuse not to be a kid, you know? He has other but, kids he can play with and video games and stuff, you know? But, but I, I think, like, okay, I, I think Chandler Riggs was the star of, the, of this episode. I think his performance is amazing. You're right, Kate. But the thing is, what, what I read from that scene is the reason why it was such a shock to him is because I think he realizes that his childhood is over and ruined. He could still be 12 or 14 years old, but he's past childhood. 
he's at the point now where he doesn't want to play video games. He doesn't want to play pool. And maybe he's going to do it to try to fit in because he wants to at least try to fit in with the community and not seem like an oddball. And he wants to make it work for not only him, but, you know, his little sister and his dad and his friends. But I think it's more like he's forcing himself to do this. But that's not really what he really wants to do. Like Carl's way past childhood now, even if that means doing something cool and fun, like playing video games and or shooting pool, which adults do too, right? But I think, like, he's just at the mindset now where, um, like, I don't know, maybe that's not what he wants to do in his spare time, in his free time. Like, maybe he wants to be making weapons and or, you know, standing at the gate and being the guard uh, and or something. But I just kind of feel like it's like a shock to the system to realize that now he finally has this opportunity, but he doesn't necessarily want it. That's interesting. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on how that progresses over the season. I have a question, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask Felix first. Okay, so the Rick and the gang, they're cynical. They don't really trust anybody. You know, they've been through a lot. Um, they've run into cannibals and a governor and so on and so forth, and they have toughened up each and every single day since the zombie apocalypse began, whereas opposed to the citizens of Alexandria are very naive. Most of them haven't stepped outside of those walls. Um, so do you think that these two groups of people meeting, do you think that it's going to make Rick's group weaker? And I'm not saying weak to the degree where, you know, they can just like overrun Rick and the gang and kill them all, but just like weaker to some extent. And, or do you think that Rick and the gang are going to harden Alexandria's citizens and make them stronger and, or a bit of both? I think, I think, I think the, I think um, I'm hoping like, yeah, I'm pretty sure they like Deanna's hoping that there's going to be a, a bit of a symbiosis there where Rick hardens, the, hardens Alexandria up to the realities of the zombie apocalypse. However, Rick also lowered his defenses and show everybody how he was before the, the, the zombie apocalypse. You know, I think uh, Rick, um, I think Rick is definitely going to harden Alexandria for better or for worse. And, 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 yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because, well, because it's like, except, except, you know, we can't be weak anymore. It's impossible for us to be weak. Well, but, but the thing is, Deanna does give Rick and Michonne the job of has been the constables, right? And yeah. at the end of the episode, he walks out and he's wearing, like, a police uniform. And I don't know if it's specifically a sheriff uniform, but he's wearing a cop uniform at the end of the episode. And what he tells Daryl, I think it was Daryl, he says that we're going to make it work. And if they don't want to make it work, we're just going to take the community yeah, in town. Yeah, <laughs> Right. So so that's the thing. Like, would he really want to make these people tougher and teach them skills to survive? Because that would make it harder for him to take over the community if it ever comes to it. If he ever needs to actually take over because these people do become a threat to him and his friends, he doesn't necessarily want to make them too strong. I think it's going to be like it's going to be like a master and a dog relationship where you teach them enough skills, but not enough where they can bite you in the hand. You know, he's going to teach them just enough so they could get along during uh, during day by day basis, but he's really gonna keep his his real cards hidden under uh, under his lap, you know. Well, there, there's here's the thing for me. They're so far behind Rick's gang combat wise, um, and just survival, and they haven't they've had to deal. I one could assume they they're still alive, so clearly they must have had to deal with significant situations at some point. But mm -hmm. the, Rick and his gang have dealt with a lot more like there's no comparison with how hardened his gang his group is as composed as compared to everybody else who's there so it would take quite a while of him full-on training them for for it to be a fair fight 
Especially with him being the constable and having, that means, I, I would assume, having access to the guns and everything. Like, if he wants to coup, I, don't, I think it's going to be an easy thing for him to do. And I would say, if he's, like, only kind of sort of helping them because he wasn't, that puts him in governor territory. So I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to do that just from a, like, a behind the scenes, like, a structural narrative kind of standpoint. But as for as far as Rick goes, I don't think he's even worried about that being a problem because they are so behind. You see, here's the thing. I think that's why Glenn's punch was one of the most important scenes in this episode. It's a key moment in the episode because he was once a pizza delivery boy. And now he can take out like a guy who's correct me if I'm wrong, but Aiden does appear to be taller and bigger than Glenn. Yeah. Maybe not. But he, whatever. He's ripped. And Glenn just like yeah. the most efficient little like jab ever it's great oh yeah, yeah probably the best woman in my opinion the best woman of the series aside from i mean the best woman of the episode sorry uh, aside from rick shaving that was like that was that was that was glenn proving once and for all that he kept people around well and, and not only that but okay again going back to the punch so you have the guy who used to be a pizza delivery boy and then you have aiden who's the man in charge of taking a certain amount of people out side the walls to look for supplies and so on and so forth. Therefore, you know, you, that would mean that whoever's in charge of the community thinks that Aiden is a strong enough leader and a strong enough person and a survivor to actually step out of the walls to go hunt for supplies. If that's their number one guy, the number one guy that they send out to be in charge and Glenn can take them out in like a half a second, it goes to show the difference between Rick's group and the citizens of, of uh, Alexandria. But going back to what you said, Kate, wouldn't it be interesting and wouldn't it be a nice change of pace and a twist if they put Rick in a situation, in a position in which he does become the bad guy and or has the option to become the bad guy? Not for me. I, I see what you're saying. And normally I would absolutely agree with you. But <laughs> the show, it's they've already toyed with how, how dark are we getting and, you know, like all season long. I'm really tired of them going back to that well of, you know, again, and it, go, it ties in with this thread I've been commenting on all season of the show uh, quashing out, like introducing and then quashing hope um, and introducing and praising and then take, you know, then undercutting optimism. So Tyrese mm -hmm. saying, you don't, I don't have to be this. I can still contribute without being Mr. Kills all the walkers and then being killed because he wasn't yeah. Mr. Kill the Walkers. Um, so I, I, now that they've introduced Alexandria and at least right now it appears to be on the up and up. If they then like, here's a great positive thing. No, we're going to ruin it again. I'm going to get so annoyed. So I, they could do that and it could be interesting, but you know, I think that's why Michonne's role in this episode is so significant. I like how we all have different things that we kind of keyed into as some of the most significant. I think it's really interesting. But that's why, for mm -hmm. me, Michonne is so important here. And, and in the last few episodes, she's been counterbalancing Rick really well um, because she is now, like, she's the counter to him. So she, I don't think, would be willing to, to go that route with it anyways. And and uh -huh. she's there to to kind of temper his maybe darker instincts See, the thing is, it's not about what we or you or I want to see in the TV show. It's about what I think the writers might be doing, because the thing is, we do have the contrast between Michonne and Rick Grimes. And in this episode, 
Deanna asks Rick what he used to do in the past, and he doesn't even want to answer her, and she stresses that it does matter what you did in the past. And later on in the episode, Rick Grimes has a line in which he says it's all about survival. And I think we've heard that very same line week after week for, like, God knows how long, right? Like, the past year, like, it's all about survival. And here's an opportunity for these people to settle in into a community and to do something more than just fighting zombies or fighting evil men like the governor. And so I kind of personally want to see, like, a little break from the action and the gore and just get to know these people, which is why – you know, once again, I said this like two weeks ago, I still think one of the best episodes of The Walking Dead is the episode uh, which focused solely on Daryl and Beth, the episode in which they burn down the house and they flip the fingers and they go to the funeral home because that episode was just about them having fun. Yeah, they're in a zombie apocalyptic world. Yeah, there's dead people running around trying to eat them, but they're playing piano, they're singing tunes, they're getting drunk, et cetera, et cetera. Wouldn't it be nice if we saw a little bit more of that now that they're in this community? So I'm kind of hoping that we do get to see more of like, I don't know, just more of like everyday life, even though it's in this zombie world. But I do think that they're pushing Rick Grimes to not, I'm not saying he's going to be like the governor, but they're going to put him in a position again in which he's going to have to make some tough decisions. And I think he he's going to become a danger to the people of Alexandria, not vice versa. Well, Felix, this is something you talked about in your review that I thought was a great point that I hadn't occurred to me. Um, you you uh, compared Rick now with Shane back in yeah, season one. Yeah. Does that tie into this? What you know? What Ricky's saying here does that uh, parallel for you? Yeah, I think I think uh, oh, I think definitely I think uh, Rick's become full circle to becoming Shane, in in that he he knows what he has to do to survive, and it is by any means necessary. And I, I like I like I like the the whole scene of Rick shaving in the bathroom because it's very similar to when Shane was shaving his head in uh, Save the Last One in season two. Because you have this new, you have the you know the whole new Shane who's who will do whatever it takes, even if he's killing a person, and now you have Rick who will do whatever it takes just to help his family, especially Carl, even if he's killing a person. Yeah, I love that shaving sequence, and I can't believe we got thirty-eight minutes into our conversation before it even came up, and now well, you know we're almost done. But that's what I was trying to get at, and yeah. give Felix a prize. Give Felix a prize for nailing it. <laughs> And I'm telling you, that's why I asked you the question, because I think you're right, Felix. I couldn't help but think the same thing. When I watched that scene, I'm like, oh, fuck, it's Shane. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he has the shower running behind him, and he's all wet, and he's he's all buff, and he's shaving his face. And, like, oh, man, this is Shane. <laughs> it's a matter of transformation, too. Like, I mean, physically, it's like he doesn't recognize himself anymore. And even when he walks downstairs, everyone's taken back in shock because, you know, Michonne's never seen him with, without a beard, you know? Especially, especially the, the the last line where he says, "If we can't, if we can't, um, if we can't uh, um, make it work, we'll take it for ourselves." It's very similar to the line in season two when Shane says, "If I tried to take over this camp, would you stop me?" He asks Andrea, and Andrea really doesn't have a line for him because he's willing to do whatever it takes, you know. And, and Rick has finally realized that whether he whether he whether he realizes Shane was right all along or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do think. I, I, obviously, they're making that parallel, and I absolutely agree. I didn't think of it when I was watching the episode, but I think that's a great point, Felix. Um, but I do think there's a difference somewhat because it's also, I mean, having the sh- shaving off the the beard and waiting until now to do it, I think is really significant because it is such a and having his beard having been so big for so long, it's such a dramatic 
difference because it may be a callback to Shane, but it's also a callback to season one Rick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. also him readopting some level of civilization. And can he do that? Is he able to do that? Well, and this was really a showcase for Andrew Lincoln. Like, I mean, we've complained about his performance many times in the past. And again, we don't think he's a terrible actor. I think it has a lot more to do with the direction in certain episodes and the writing. But in this episode, like, he does a fantastic job because there's one specific scene where he's terrified because he loses sight of Carl and Judith, even if it's only for, like, 30 seconds. And yeah, he freaks out, right? Yeah. And then you get the scene in the shower where he has to, like, shave. And, and then you get the scene afterwards where he, he gets interviewed. Like, there, there's so many different emotional beats. Like, the emotional range of this actor in this episode, it's his best showcase yet. So um, it's it's a good thing. And I'm not – honestly, I'm not entirely sure. Despite what I've read in the comic books, I have no idea what they're going to do at Alexandria. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see the group leaving Alexandria for, like, a, at least two seasons if, if they leave. If – Alexandria lasts that long. Um, we know how they like to do their mid-season finales and their se- season finales as well. So that's coming up in not that many, not that many episodes. I do feel like we should mention a couple of these other characters, if only because uh, we should mention Enid, the the young uh, teen girl who's you know manages to give uh, Carl the slip, which is no mean feat. Uh, and, and that's of course too many cooks star. Caitlin, I'm going to say Nason or Nakin. I don't know how it's pronounced, uh, but one of the one of the young uh, actors from Too Many Cooks popping up here on The Walking Dead. That was a delightful little Easter egg. Just, just so you know, next week, the entire cast of Too Many Cooks will be on The Walking Dead. Don't tease me. Don't <laughs> tease me, Ricky. That's not nice. <laughs> Including the killer. <laughs> yeah, I would assume. he's He was the guy on the porch, right? <laughs> Probably. Do we have any other characters uh, that you guys want to talk about or, or bring up? Are there any other interviews that uh, that you want to uh, touch on? I don't know. I mean, who else gets interviewed? There's Daryl, Carol, Rick. Uh, it would have been nice to see Carl being interviewed. Um, I think Carl was interviewed at some point. He had uh, two different yeah, hands. Yeah, and he said he killed yeah. his mom. Yeah. It would have been nice to see Maggie. Like, not even just being, but just see her. She was barely in this. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yes, yeah, so it was only for like one scene. Well, it makes me wonder what they're going to do with everybody else. Like Eugene, like I mean, if Eugene is clearly the smartest person in the group, what's he going to be? Like, what's his job title? Oh, I'm sure they talked about you know, and I I like one of the things I like about this episode and Deanna and the Alexandria Slave Zone. I I'm very glad to see a strong counterpoint to whatever you did in the past doesn't matter. And her saying, no, no, it really does. Because if you know about engineering, you can help us make awesome walls. And that is super helpful. So because Eugene is is very intelligent, we've been led to believe, uh, I think there are any number of things that he could be. And now since they have power that, you know, theoretically gives a whole other world of possibilities of things that he could be doing to, to contribute to the community. I still do not understand how they have power and electricity. Solar power? I mean, I, there, there's a lot of different things it could be. Any other thoughts on this episode? Or, or uh, are we just sort of, you know, positive, optimistic about what's to come? What do you think, Felix? I'm very, um, as usual, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic about what's to come. You want to sell the... It is in a in a lull. Which I don't think it is now, but I'm saying when usually when it's in a lull, I'm very optimistic about it. But I think there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of surprises, especially 
I mean, that, that's a given, basically. But yeah, I, I'm I'm optimistic as well. What do you think, Ricky? We have we have what three more episodes, four more episodes right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm optimistic. Four. I'm I'm optimistic. Look, I started the podcast because I was somewhat of a fan of the comic books, and I was a huge fan of the pilot. And of course, like it's had its problems, especially within like what was a season three. I, I know you don't like season two as much as I do, but I think season three was, I think the one season where just about everyone, like you know, fans or critics, were kind of like complaining, bitching about certain things, like for example, the governor. Um, yeah, but I'm always optimistic with The Walking Dead, and I think they've proven to make some interesting choices and and some positive changes it be it like changing showrunner or experimenting a little bit here and there it's just introducing new new characters and especially with the casting like they do such a great job in casting some amazing actors and who doesn't want to be on like the most watched tv show right i i don't know i mean i'm optimistic um i'm just kind of i'm confused or I have no idea how they are going to end this season because they're going to want to end this season with a bang. But I still think it's a little too early to end with a bang when you just arrived at Alexandria. So I have no idea what they're planning for the, like the last episode. It's really bugging me because usually I can kind of guess. But now I have absolutely no clue. They don't seem to be building into, into momentum just yet. You know, and there's only four episodes left. It's interesting. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Four episodes left. Okay, so guaranteed the next episode, we're going to spend a lot of time getting to know the people that live at Alexandria. So that leaves us with three episodes left, technically two before you get to the last episode. What could they possibly do? I think there's uh, quite a bit they could do, especially with those hinting at there being three people that exiled that, oh, of course they're dead, which means that they're not dead. Because that's how, you know, we didn't see bodies, so they're not dead. Um, they could easily decide they want to come back, and we have a fight for Alexandria at the end, you know, the last couple episodes of the season. Um, there, We still have, the, the only thing that it feels like is definitely happening at, in the finale, or maybe the episode before, Morgan, because we haven't seen him since. We, we're going to have to see him before the, the, the season ends or else that's a complete botched job by the writers to, to you know not actually end up bringing him in. He's actually my guess for the gun. Because, actually, yeah. I don't think so, but yeah. yeah. I mean, because that just seems like the only person I could think of who is currently, we, we knew was kind of following around Rick. But um, but yeah, so those that's sort of where, where I'm anticipating them going. Um, this we, this episode was remember. Next week's episode is forget. Uh, we know how they like their episode titling, so I would imagine that these two will kind of be a pair, and then we'll have the last three episodes. Spend, try, conquer are the episode titles. That doesn't feel like a spoiler to me. Um, so we'll see. Those aren't as as themed together the way that consumed, crossed, and coda were. Like usually when they have an arc, they like to at least during the Gimple era, they like to title them similarly. So I'm not quite sure what they're going to do here. I, I don't think Morgan took the gun. Like, it was my first guess, too. I was like, okay, if I had a guess who took the gun, it's going to be Morgan. But I'm like, why would Morgan take the gun? Because if Rick stashes the gun and hides the gun in the blender, he he puts it in the blender, has a, has a safety net, so he can go back and always get the gun if he needs it. And Morgan is, you know, I don't know if you would call him his friend, but, you know, they're on good terms, Right. So I think that if anyone took the gun, it's got to be one of the three guys who was exiled from the community. That's what I think. And and I said this last week where, you know, when I was talking about Aaron and Alexandria before, you know, the group ever stepped into the community, before it even went past the walls, 
I was like, you know, I didn't think that Aaron was actually a bad person, but that doesn't mean that the people who are running the community aren't bad people. Just like, for example, the governor and Woodbury, there are some great people who lived at Woodbury who believed that it was a, 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 you know, a beautiful place, a safe haven, but they had no idea what the governor was doing behind closed doors. You know, for example, keeping heads in an aquarium. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I, I totally agree, but I think it's a little too early for that kind of conflict between Rick and some of the community members at who live in Alexandria. I think there's a possibility that those three people who are mentioned like in this episode can come back. And, but I mean, I don't know. That just doesn't seem like a really exciting season finale finisher, you know, Morgan comes back Mm -hmm. would be great, but I, I honestly think Morgan's already in the community because how else would Aaron know Rick Grimes, name? Yeah, but if he's oh, invo- at Alexandria, but that, that doesn't mean that he's currently there. I think if he was currently there, he would have come out and said hi to them. So I think he's he hasn't returned yet, and if that and that return will happen in the finale or the second to last episode. That's my guess. I don't know. What do you think, Felix? Uh, what's your ETA on Morgan popping up again? I think that the, the season finale would be a good uh, would be a good way to end it. You know, just showing Morgan going, going through those gates. That would give that would give, that would um give them hope as, as you said you know you always want that, that, that bit of hope before they squash it. <laughs> it would be a pretty good uh, b- bit of hope for them. Fair enough. Well, uh, I think this wraps up uh, our. Let's focus on the hope rather than the squashing for our last thought here on the San Jose Walking Dead podcast uh, this week. Uh, thank you so much, Felix, for coming on. Where can our listeners find you and your work online? Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm at um, Cinema Craze, um, Cinema-Craze.com. Uh, we found on sound on, on site, and uh, I'm lucky to be working on sound on site. Thanks very, very much for having me. And uh, Rick, how about you? What What else is going on? Where can our listeners uh, hit you up uh, to to keep talking Walking Dead? And what else is going on on sound on site this week that uh, they should know about? Uh, well, first of all, do support our website, soundinsight.org, because as I say each and every single week, we are an independent publication. We have no like financial resources from like some huge company out there. So we do need your support. So visit our website. There's tons of great podcasts over at our website, including the Hannibal podcast, which Kate co-hosts. There's a Televerse podcast, which is Kate's like amazing TV podcast, which I absolutely like adore. There is the Sound Insight movie podcast. There's like the True Detective podcast and so on and so forth. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Sound On Site. Honestly, I don't like to spend a lot of time on Twitter. I think there's just way too much negativity on Twitter, but I do like to go on Twitter to promote articles from my friends, articles that appear on the website, and sometimes articles that appear on different websites. So uh, like us on Facebook, again, Sound On Site, Tumblr, Sound On Site, everything Sound On Site, and you can find it over at soundonsite.org. And uh, you can reach me on Twitter at The Teller. See, I like Twitter uh, because the, for me, the negativity is outweighed by obviously white and gold dresses and uh, llamas and all sorts of other fun things. So uh, so hit me up on Twitter if you want to talk Walking Dead or any of the other shows uh, that are currently going right now that we're covering over at the Televerse, which is, like you said, Ricky, thank you for those kind words, is the weekly TV show, uh, TV podcast that I co-host with Simon Howell, uh, who, of course, is your Sound on Sight podcast co-host um, and Sword of Cinema. Um there's so many shows right now. It's insane. So the podcast, it's a long show. It's like two hours every week. This week it's two and a half. We're doing charmed and, you know, as our kind of DVD shelf episode and then so much great TV right now. So I love talking all that stuff with you guys. Drop me a a line there. You can also find some of my writing over at the AV club and, uh, and yeah, 
continue the conversation. We love interacting with you guys, so drop us a line. Um, next week, we'll be back to talk about Season 5, Episode 13, which, as previously mentioned, is uh, called Forget. And I'm not, I actually don't know who the writer is, but it's going to be directed by David Boyd. So we, we'll be back next week to talk about that. Thank you again, Felix, for coming on. Thank you very much for having me, Alpa. You can do this again. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we'd love to have you back. And, uh, everyone, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Walk- Sound On Sight Walking Dead podcast. Not ready for runs yet. Yeah, pretty sure you got that backwards. Hey. Hey. Look, we got a way of doing things around here. You tied up walkers. He killed our friend! Look, I'm not having this conversation. You obey my orders out there. Oh, then we're just as screwed as your last run crew. Say that again. Don't back off, Aiden. Come on, man, just take a step back. Come on, tough guy. No one's impressed, man. Walk away. Hey! What is going on? This guy's got a problem with the way we do things. Why'd you let these people in? Because we actually know what we're doing out there. Hey! Oh. No! That's enough! Oh. I said that is uh. enough! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's do this now. You want to end up on your ass again? I want everyone to hear me, okay? Rick and his people are part of this community now, in all ways, as equals. Understood? Understood. All of you, turn in your weapons, then you two come talk to me. I told you I had a job for you. I'd like you to be our constable. That's what you were. That's what you are.